Welcome to the Round Rock Church of Christ Teaching Podcast. We're a faith community located in the central Austin area that gathers at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We hope this teaching blesses you as we become spirit-filled and spirit-led Jesus followers for those who do not have a home. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? Uh, again, my name is Elsie uh, Alexander. Uh, my wife, Kaylee, and I um, have been a part of Round Rock Church of Christ for some time now. Um, and like Matt said, um, it is, it's really an honor to be here with you guys uh, this Sunday morning. Um, we have seen the, the hospitality uh, shown to us and to our family uh, over the last two or so years that we've been here. Um, and we are just blown away by uh, Round Rock Church of Christ. We are, we are glad to call this place home. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we are going to be in Judges chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be spending most of our time there uh, this morning. Um, and if you don't have your Bible, it will be on the screens that you see um, around the auditorium. Sound good? Awesome. All right, so uh, before we dive in, uh, I wanted to tell you a story. Uh, it took place back in 2013. Um, I was a youth intern at Castle Rock Church of Christ in uh, Castle Rock, Colorado. Um, and it was my first leadership role. So I was able to figure out my leadership style and find my leadership voice and different things like that. Um, we did a lot of fun activities that summer, uh, but there was one that stood out to me the most. Um, that took place in this place right here, okay? Now, uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but uh, how many of you have uh, gone to a ropes course before, okay? This was my first one. If you know anything about me, I am not the adventurous type at all, so I was not very excited about this ropes course, all right? So um, I kind of stood back and let the the, the youth group ha have at it. They were going up and jumping off of what they call the leap of faith, okay? So this thing right here, this plank is super high up in the sky, and there's this expanse that you can stand on the edge of and jump off and grab onto the bar that's about six feet from the plank. Yeah, I didn't think it sounded fun either, okay? <laughs> um, so I stood back, and I watched all of the youth have a, have a ball. They had a great time. Um, I didn't feel any pressure to go up. I didn't feel like I was there for myself. This was an event for them, and they were having a ball. Um, until the uh, girl that I was dating at the time, who is now my wife, Kaylee, um, decided to volunteer to go next. Now, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but we had just started dating. And I was trying to put my best foot forward, and I did not want her to know that I was scared. I was terrified, but I didn't want her to know that. So she volunteers and she goes up and to make matters even worse, she was a monster, like she was, she was phenomenal at it. She had perfect form, she got it her first try. So now the pressure's really on, right? She comes down, she takes her helmet off like she's in a commercial, everyone starts clapping, good job, Kaylee, way to go. And I'm standing in the back sweating, not because it's hot, but because I'm nervous, okay? So the instructor, uh, looks at the crowd and they say, um, is there anybody that would like to go next? And uh, this inner dialogue started inside of me. And I started to say, L, do not raise your hand. Don't be a fool. Sit this one out. You're fine where you are. Don't raise your hand. Okay. But the way Kaylee was looking at me like, hey, are you going to go next? Right. So I felt challenged. I raised my hand and I went next. Now, my goal 
my goal when I got to the top was don't show anybody, especially Kaylee, don't show anybody that you're afraid. And I thought I was doing a phenomenal job. I thought I was killing it, right? Unfortunately, uh, my face said <laughs> otherwise. The youth deacon that took this picture, I, was, I, had a, I had a bone to pick with him about this and put it on the internet. I was terrified. I'd never done anything. My face does not look like I'm very experienced because I wasn't. Um, I was terrified. And I thought I was doing a good job at hiding it, but clearly I was not. Um, but every second felt like five minutes. So eventually I jumped. Now my form <laughs> did not look nearly as polished as Kaylee's, but that's besides the point, okay? I jumped off the plank and I, and, and I was successful. I came down and uh, I made it through. <laughs> All right, thank you. Somebody clap for me. All right. When I came down, actually, nobody clapped. I think everyone was pretty concerned about my safety. Um, so if you're planning an event about, at a ropes course, uh, don't, 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 don't be afraid to not invite me. That is totally okay. I, I plan to never go again. All right. So um, I tell that story. Okay. I wish there was another slide so you didn't have to look at my awkward face. But um, I tell that story. Um, because I'm curious, all right, I'm curious. Uh, I wanna know if maybe that's something that you can relate to. Not, not necessarily being afraid of a ropes course, but wrestling with fears that often come when the opportunity to take a leap is presented to you. Do you find yourself wrestling or even reasoning your way out of certain opportunities? And perhaps like me, do you find yourself going back and forth with some inner dialogue because there's this, this opposition that rises up inside of you. This opposition that seems relentless or unsatisfied with anything other than sinking back and sitting certain situations out. When I think of that opposition, I'm actually reminded of one of my favorite movies um, called Glory Road. Um, this is based on a true story of the 1966 UTEP miners that took place in El Paso, Texas. There was a young male in this movie by the name of Bobby Joe Hill. I think that's him down at the bottom of the movie poster. Um, he was being recruited by, by Don Haskins. Now Don Haskins was new at the University of Texas at El Paso at the time, and he was looking for people to play on his basketball team. Bobby Joe was one of the people that he was pursuing. He asked Bobby Joe if he would want to receive a scholarship. And Bobby Joe actually had a hard time accepting it. He presented, uh, Don presented Bobby Joe with this life-changing opportunity that, that could potentially turn his whole life and his whole situation around. And instead of Bobby Joe jumping for joy and being excited about accepting this invitation, he looked Don Haskins in the eyes and he started to list all the reasons why Don Haskins must be outside of his mind. Why? Because this took place in a time in our history when African-Americans were not heavily recruited to play college basketball at that level. Bobby Joe knew this. And he looked at Don Haskins like, come on, man. Wake up, look at the times, pay attention. Do you see me? 
Do you know where we live? This idea that you have in your head, it's, it's never going to work. Whatever it is that you see in me, open your eyes. You must be mistaken. Every time I watch that scene, Bobby Joe Hill does something that I think many of us still do today as children of God. We find ourselves in positions to be called and used by God to make pivotal changes in our lives or the lives of others. But rather than receiving the call and taking the leap, we reason. Or rather than receiving the call and taking the leap, we fear. Rather than receiving the call and taking the leap, we choose to partner with that opposition that rises up so ferociously inside of us. And that opposition is doubt. We look at our lives as though we're looking at a, a job description from the clouds and we say, nope, that's not me. I'm not qualified. Doubt is the, is the, is the great crippler of our belief. In fact, uh, uh, Charles, Charles Spurgeon says this about doubt. He says, doubt discovers difficulties which it never actually solves. It creates hesitancy, despondency, despair. Its progress is the decay of comfort, the death of peace. Believe is the word which speaks life into a man. But doubt nails down his coffin. Again, doubt is the great crippler of our belief. Its goal and its mission is to keep us stuck and stagnant, pulling us into this, like this dark, deep abyss where we, where we feel as though we can't actually walk with or trust God. Doubt has a way of looking, up, looking at the chasm that is between our destination ahead and simply saying, there is no way for me to actually make it across. And since there is no way, I'm done. I'll just go ahead and, and, and sit this one out. Now, if you find yourself in that place this Sunday morning, that's okay. Because I have good news. That's why we're all here. We want to hear the good news. I have good news. The truth is, you're not alone. You're not the first person in the history of God's story. That's important. You're not the first person in the history of God's story to be stuck in doubt and fear after being called by God. Which brings us to our text this week. Judges chapter six. Last week, uh, we heard Zane uh, wrap up the series called Decide, which he so brilliantly communicated and explained the ways in which we can hear the voice of God when it comes to making certain and pivotal decisions in our lives. He guided us through understanding the will of God in our lives and encouraging us uh, to make that the anchor point when it comes to determining what to do next. So this week, I want to dive into a, another story that takes place along those lines, and it takes place in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6, verse 11 through 13, it says this, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the tree at Orpah that belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? 
Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? When they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Now, the book of Judges is unique in the sense that it tells the story of Israel's inability to just stay committed to God. Israel has finally conquered its enemies and acquired the land that God had promised them. However, once they occupied that land, it was far from what you would call a happily ever after. What we see instead is time and time again, the people of Israel are showing a pattern of worshiping God and then slowly but surely turning their back and worshiping other idols and other gods. So God in his response would turn his face from them, leaving them vulnerable to outside invasion, to chaos and corruption. In the midst of this corrupt period, we find our main character, Gideon. Now, Gideon was a farmer, and at, and at the time when he was introduced to the story, he's actually in hiding. And the reason that Gideon is hiding is because the Israelites chose to rebel against God, and God therefore allowed the Midianites to invade and occupy the land of Israel, which God had so graciously given to his people. Now, Gideon wasn't clueless about why any of this was, was happening. I know it, it kind of sounds like it contextually, but, but Gideon was actually very aware of what was taking place. There, there, was, there was nothing wrong with his theology. He, he, he could see the situation perfectly. As an Israelite, I'm sure uh, he was familiar with, with passages that Moses wrote, like Exodus 34, 12, that says, be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or, there will be a, or they will be a snare among you. He was aware. He was aware of his situation. He was aware of the predicament in which he was in. Now, to the common eye, this does not seem like a, a, a set that is prepared for a miracle. And Gideon isn't exactly the type of person that comes to mind when thinking about a person to be called and used by God. Think about it for just a second. He's in a corrupt, occupied nation, and he's threshing wheat in a wine press out of fear that he'll be spotted and potentially robbed by his enemies, the Midianites. But with all of that in mind, it is extremely interesting how we see the Lord approach this situation, and that word approach is very important. It is extremely important that we see how the Lord approaches this situation. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I'll read that again. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Wait a minute. Uh, I think I read that correctly. Um, what does... What does God mean by that? Does he not see what is happening? Is there, is there a translation that's left out of scripture? I, I don't think so. Has he forgotten what is taking place? Has he forgotten that Israel is being occupied because of their rebellion? And the man he's talking to, after all, he's, he's, he's in hiding out of fear. There's nothing about Gideon that shows one that the Lord is with him, and two, that, that he is a mighty warrior. There's no, 
there, there, there's nothing about this story that shows any sign that God is ready to do something big. There's no obvious landing strip for the spirit of God to land due to the rebellion of the people of Israel. The stage isn't set for God to show up. Not at all. Close the book. The story should be over. But that isn't what we see here in this passage. That's not what we see. Instead, the story takes a turn. The story starts to reveal something that is very important. It reveals that God appears to be the type of God who comes near in these types of situations. He seems to be the type of God that, that comes near in these types of situations. We see a God who sees life in areas where death had previously reigned. And he says, let me step in right there. I don't want to stay far. I don't want to stay away. I want to step in right there. We see a God who, who is fully aware of Gideon's circumstances. He's fully aware of the shortcomings of Israel. He's surely aware of Gideon's weaknesses and his pain. And instead of closing the book, he prepares a new story and invites Gideon on that journey that will change the trajectory of history forever. It's awesome, it's true, and it's powerful. And the wild thing is, Gideon almost missed it. He almost missed it. He almost missed an entire move of God. He could have missed an opportunity to go deeper, learn more about the love of the Father, his consistency, his relentless pursuit. He could have missed all of it. Why? Because of doubt. See, sometimes when, when, when God is getting ready to move, it may come in a season or in circumstances when and where we least expect it. It just might. It may not make a ton of sense. And the reason why it may not make sense is because you and I were very familiar. We're very familiar. We are extremely familiar with our history. We're familiar with our sins. We're familiar with our weaknesses and our mistakes. And far too often we can allow those things to cloud a potential move of God in our lives that might be taking place. That's exactly what we see in scripture with Gideon. Verse 13 says this, after God has said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, Gideon's response wasn't, hallelujah, praise Jesus, where do, we, where do I go next? It's so one thing I love about the scriptures is it's real. Gideon's response was, pardon me, my Lord, but uh, it, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened to us? He's not curious. He's testing the Lord. He's asking him that question. Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has aban abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. When I used to read this story, I was very quick to judge Gideon here. Like, like, do you not see that God is getting ready to shake and shift and change your life? How could you miss this opportunity? How could you miss this moment? But now when I read this story, I have to, I have to pause for a second. I can't jump to conclusions because I'm guilty of the same mistake that Gideon is guilty of here. Because there's also still an awareness of my past. And it plants seeds of guilt in my heart 
and in my mind. And I'm left questioning, can I even still be used by God? I've said things like, surely the Lord can't use me because I've, I've done too much. Or surely the Lord cannot use me because I've gone too far. But the truth that we see here in this passage is those statements lose their authority over our lives once God steps in and declares his truth about who we truly are. It wipes the slate clean. It presses the reset button. This passage shows us that God has a way of speaking things that don't exist into existence. What he declares must come true. What he says, it has to come to pass. If your situation this morning is bleak, that all changes once you hear the Lord speak. If your current circumstance does not look promising, that doesn't disqualify you from a potential move of God in and over your life. It does not disqualify you from being a tool in the hands of a broke, of a creative God. God makes his best creations with pieces of art that are broken. He takes what seems to be dead and deceased and corrupted and irreparable, and he turns it around and he makes it all brand new. Gideon was absolutely right. There was nothing wrong with his theology. Israel had turned from God and God had let them be invaded by his enemies. Israel had turned from God just like you and I do. But once God spoke to him and called something out in him that he didn't see in himself, it was time to turn the page. God knew the circumstances Israel was in just like he knows our circumstances, but still he was committed to seeing the nation become everything that it could be despite their sins and their shortcomings. And this truth, this truth is planted in the book of Judges so that the readers, you and I, can see who God is. God can and will call those who may seem disqualified because he wants his name to be glorified. Therefore, we cannot allow our doubts that sprout in the midst of a horrible circumstance to determine whether or not we can be used by God. Your doubts can't compete with God's love. They can't compete with his strength. They can't compete with his mercy. If you sense a call from God over your life, make the leap of faith. We have to do what that old, what that old song says, trust and obey. I'm not going to sing it, but y'all know, know where I'm going. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but simply trust and obey. As I close, you might be sitting there saying, hey, that sounds good. Thanks for making my heart feel well or warm. But that still seems like too much. That still seems like a lot. Maybe that worked for Gideon, but, but I'm not sure if, if, if that's actually going to work for me. There could be a chance you feel as though your doubts are still far too great. And again, that's okay. Because there's, there's truth that is still to be revealed. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I love this. Am I not sending you? Church, here's the thing, and you can be real this morning. 
Maybe you came in this morning and you're barely hanging on by a thread when it comes to your doubts. Maybe you came in this morning and you're, just, you're still not sure. Maybe you came in this morning and you see that chasm and you have absolutely no idea how you're going to get to the other side. That's okay. Because God is commanding you to go with the strength that you have. The good news is responding to God only requires just a little bit. Just a simple yes. That's it. You don't have to have it all figured out. You can have an idea for sure. But leave the details to God. It's his mission that you are agreeing to go on. It has nothing to do with your strength. And, and, and here's the thing about strength. Strength will rise as we wait upon the, because it's his story. Those who trust in the Lord will renew there because it's his story. When I'm weak, he is because it's his story. Your help comes from the, this is God's story. We all know it. This is God's story. He simply wants you and I to play a simple part. It's not about your performance or your ability to drop the ball. It is God who is sending you after all. Therefore, he will be the one to deliver on his promise. That's, that's the truth that we can rest in not only today, but forever. Perhaps you've been in situations similar to Bobby Joe where he spent his whole life being overlooked because of the color of his skin. So he doubted. But then something happened. He leaped. And finally, a shift came. He joined Don Haskins at UTEP in 1966, and they went on to win the national championship that year. Or maybe you can identify with our main character today, Gideon, a man in hiding when he's introduced in the scriptures because his, his country was being occupied by his enemies. He too, he doubted. But then something happened. He leaped. And eventually he helps free Israel from the grip of the Midianites and restores Israel back to their rightful place. Your leap from, from doubt this morning, it may not be war. It may not be changing the cultural landscape of sports forever. Your leap could be simply quitting that addiction that you doubt that you can actually get freedom from. Your leap could simply be letting go of the anger towards a friend or a family member that you said you would never forgive. Maybe your leap is, is simply trusting God to, to move in ways that seem incredibly unfamiliar in this season. Or maybe now that you're in a new season of your life and you're curious to see what God has next, maybe that's your leap. Wherever you find yourself this morning, just simply hold on to this. Don't let your doubt hold you back from your destiny. I'm not saying that once you leap, it's all going to be pretty, as you saw in the picture before. But I am saying that what you see in Scripture promises that it will always be worth it. Imagine with me for a second as I close, what would this body look like if we were committed to being a people who were not held back by our doubts? What would this body become if we were a people who were brutally aware of our weaknesses and our shortcomings, but we still committed to one another anyways? Think about the hearts that could be healed and the wounds that could be mended. And the good news is we don't need a lot of strength, church. 
Let's just bring God what we have. At the end of the day, we are part of his story. So let's just go with that. Let's just go with what we have. I want to leave you with this quote by J.C. Ryle. He says, doubting does not prove that a man has no faith, but only that his faith is small. And even when our faith is small, the Lord is ready to use us. Excuse me. Don't let your doubt discourage you this Sunday morning. Let it propel you. God doesn't need a lot. Just bring him what you have, and he'll do the rest. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for being a good father who watches over us, who guides us and protects us. We pray that if we are in seasons of our lives where we are being prompted to make a leap, that you give us the strength that we need to be able to do so. We love you. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.